The following talk is a version of the same talk that I gave to a group of Josephinum seminarians in Alabama in 2021. Uh, sadly, the version of this talk that I gave at the Kenrick retreat was lost in the recording, uh, but the same essential content is as follows. All right, so this morning's talk is on hope and the priest as a man of hope. Um, and if there was you know, only kind of one talk I wanted you to kind of take away from this retreat, this is the talk. Um, if there was only one thing I wanted you to take away from my year with you this last year in the, the PCJ, it would be this thought. This has been very much on my thoughts all this year. The priest needs to be a man of hope. So why is hope relevant? Well, because many people despair that we live at a time when many people on different ways give up, um, give up in society, think that there's nothing to hope for. In the church, many people give up. Um, that there are priests who just look at the state of the world and they despair, they give up. There are lay people who likewise in their own lives see their problems and they just give up. What you need to be, what a priest needs to be, is a man of hope, a man who brings hope to others. So before going any further, what is hope? Well, very briefly, following St. Thomas, hope is a movement of the will towards the good. In particular, he says, a future good, difficult, but possible to attain. So because it's difficult to obtain, many people despair, give up. Hope is that nonetheless seeing the difficulty, but seeing more than the difficulty, the reality of the good and the possibility of attaining that good. Whereas the man who has given up, the man who no longer hopes, no longer moves. He's just a potato sat there. Um, I guess potatoes don't sit, but anyway, he's, he's not moving. He's not doing anything. Now let me make a point of comparison and contrast hope and optimism. And I want to make the point that hope is not optimism. Hope is something more than optimism. So if you take that kind of classic image of the glass that is half full or half empty, the, the pessimist sees the glass and he says, oh, it's half empty. The optimist sees the glass and he, sees, he says, oh, it's half full. And the question is, well, are you an optimist or are you a pessimist? Do you say it's half full or do you say it's half empty? Well, the man of hope doesn't see whether it's half empty or whether it's half full. Rather, he sees that it is capable of becoming completely full. The man of hope sees the potential in the glass. So that even if the glass is only a quarter full, the man of hope still has hope. He still sees what the glass is capable of becoming. So that hope, therefore, is more than just optimism, more than just seeing what's there already. 
And so if you are in a parish now in your assignment, or if you are sent as a priest to a parish where it's half empty, where it's only a quarter full, well, the priest of hope can see the potential there and move towards realizing that potential, not be overwhelmed by whether it's half full or half empty. And as Monsignor was saying earlier about mission territory, um, what does the missionary see when he goes into a land where the gospel's never been there? He sees a land capable of being filled with Christians. He sees the potential in a place. He doesn't just look in and say, oh, there are no Christians here. We need to be likewise men of hope, seeing potential and moving towards it. Hope, optimism. Cynicism. Cynicism being, you know, pretty obviously the biggest enemy of hope. What is a cynic? A cynic is someone who believes in evil more than he believes in good. That he focuses on the clouds in the sky rather than seeing the sun up there. That you're saying, wow, look at a lovely sunny day and he's seeing the clouds. And the cynic, therefore, has just moved either to inactivity or often even worse, destructive activity. He wants to stop people, these foolish idiots, aiming towards the good because he knows evil is real and he's just, everything's a waste of time. And usually the cynic has become a cynic because he has experienced evil, either experienced it in his own life or in what he's seen of others. There's a, a reason people become cynical, but he's lost sight of a, a deeper reality, namely what can be and of course, with that, the reality of the good that there is in the world. So what the cynic needs, and therefore we need in as much as we are tempted to cynicism, is we need to experience goodness. We need to see it in others. We need to see it in ourselves. So that's one of the things I'm going to say later that we need to build within ourselves is the capacity to see goodness. So let me elaborate a bit more on what hope is and why as a Christian, a Christian has a reason to have hope. So it's about how we engage with the good, how we perceive the good. Um, and want to distinguish here between faith, charity, divine charity, and, and hope, how they each in a different way relate to the good. So faith is in the intellect. Faith grasps the reality of the good, knows it. And you can't love the good, you can't move towards the good unless you know it. So you need to have faith. Love, 
is not in the intellect, it's in the will, and is the union with the good, the possession of the good, and brings with it that immediate fruit of joy, that you are united to the good, to that which you love, you experience joy. Hope isn't that celebration of the union already there, and it isn't just the knowledge of the, the good. Hope is seeing the good from afar and setting out to get to it. It's that movement to achieve the good. And of course, in our current state as wayfarers, we both possess the good in part. We have some charity within us, but there is also more, a greater possession of the good that is possible, a greater possession of love possible. And so we need this hope, this movement to set out to that fuller realization of union with the good that is possible. More strictly speaking, so hope moves us to the good, moves us to God who is the greatest good. Love, St. Thomas says, is a, um, when we will the good for God's own sake. I will God because he wants me to. I will union with him because he wants me to, to, to please him. Hope, in contrast, is um, a self-regarding virtue. It's about wanting God for that fulfillment of me that I know he wants for me, but that it, it has a self-regarding orientation. It's about seeking my fulfillment. And so, strictly speaking, hope has as its object that eternal happiness, that beatitude that comes from union with God, whereas love is about God just in himself. And you can't have that hope, that striving for him, that striving for the happiness we can have in him, unless we know it, um, and choose to, to make that movement for it. So, reasons to have hope. Fundamentally, why does a Christian have reason to have hope? Because the reasons for despair are, in a sense, all around us, that we do see evil, that the cynic, he points out the evil to us all the time, um, the cynic in the seminary, the cynic sometimes in the priesthood. Um, what is the fundamental reasons for the Christian to have hope? And why is it that this is our distinctive, we are the ones as Christians who have this distinctive angle on hope? Well, three points, um, reasons for hope. First, the risen wound. So what was it St. Thomas, who I say is 
My theory is St. Thomas was a cynic more than he was a skeptic. He didn't just refuse to believe, rather he talked about what it was he believed in more. He said, show me the wounds in his hands and his side. He pointed to the evil. What does the Lord do when he appears? He too points to the wounds, but as a sign of his victory. That the world has thrown the worst it has at him, and he has won. And so this, therefore, is one of the definitive signs of Christian hope. That whatever evil we see in the world, he points to his wounds. He has overcome. So he doesn't try to pretend the wounds weren't there, that that didn't happen. No, he sees it, he's triumphed over it. In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So that's the first reason for hope. Second, in a sense the same, but image-wise different, the crucifix. So Karl Rahner, who is not a theologian I am a great fan of, and I don't quote often, but Karl Rahner talks about the fact that the crucifix, he says, is the sign of Christian hope. He says you can only hope when you're in the presence of a reason not to hope, when you're in the presence of a reason to despair. The Christian looks at the cross and hopes. Because in faith, we know all that has been achieved on the cross. We know all that has been won. So Rana says, it's not the empty tomb that is the sign of hope, but the crucifix that is, as Christians, our sign of hope. And it's only our sign of hope because we have faith. Without faith, it's just as I've heard someone say, oh, I don't want to see a dead man hanging there. Well, if you don't have faith, it is just a dead man hanging there. If you do have faith, it's something utterly different. If you do have faith, this is the sign of hope. So when life seems bleak, when it seems like things are worst, this is the sign that he has overcome. Okay, third point about Christian reason for hope, well, the entire narrative of the scriptures. So what we need if we're going to have hope is we need two bits out of that narrative of scriptures. First, that God is active, even in the midst of this troubled world, and that man is capable of being redeemed. And these are the two messages that the narrative of scripture tells us again and again and again. So Exodus, as we were beginning that narrative in, in our weekday masses, readings, that even amidst the bleakness of Egypt, of slavery, God is active. God is doing something. God had heard the cry of his people in distress there in Exodus. Then figures like Gideon, where, you know, the numbers against the Israelites were impossible, and yet God with Gideon makes his army smaller and smaller and smaller, because God is active, God can overcome. And again and again in the, in the scriptures, this is the message. But the God, man, what does that narrative tell us? 
also it tells us that man is capable of being redeemed that no matter how bad our situation is you know we are not Calvinists believing human nature is depraved yes it is deprived but human nature is capable of being made new capable of being transformed so again and again the narrative of the scriptures is telling us how someone who has done terrible things like David committing adultery and murder can come back to the Lord there's never a moment when in this world while we live that it is too late to come back to him this is the narrative of the scriptures man is capable of being transformed God is active man is capable of being transformed renewed redeemed and therefore I can set out towards that goal in hope I was going to add a long narrative on John Paul II. John Paul II in our era is this incredible, you know, George Weigel's book, Witness to Hope. He is in his very person just that, that he lived through the worst that evil can throw at the world, the, the horror of Nazi, Nazi oppression. Then he saw his beloved Poland crushed under the weight of communist tyranny, not for just the six years of the Second World War, but decade after decade. And yet what is his message when he comes out on the balcony elected as Pope? Be not afraid. Whatever the world has thrown at us, be not afraid. That he had that faith, that conviction to move to the good, to see the good, to see the potential in situations. That many churchmen, you know, I think some of the popes, don't show that hope at the state of the church that we see in his writings. And so he is this witness. His encyclical, Divisa Misericordiae, Rich in Mercy, On the Divine Mercy, likewise develops this theme at great length, where where is mercy most seen in the face of evil, in the face of weakness? That mercy is love in action. And this is something that flows out of his whole experience of the tragedy of what had happened in his beloved Poland, and yet he's able to see God at work, the divine mercy, God at work precisely when we are weak, precisely when things seem bleak. And because he knew the power of God in his own life, he was able to speak of it with hope to the world. And that's what we need to be as priests. So I want to focus this a bit more practically now. Three ways. A priest of hope. What does a priest of hope look like? What does he look like? Well, first, he has hope for himself. What does his parishioners see when they look at him? They see it a man who just has hope for himself. Not hope in himself. I have hope 
in God, the power of God, the mercy of God, the action of God, but hope for myself. I believe I can be something more. I know this in faith. It doesn't weigh me down however many times I sin. It doesn't weigh me down how many times I, I, I mess up. I believe what he has said. I believe the narrative of the scriptures. I can be something more in hope. I am always moving forward. I am always striving. And when my parishioners look at me, if I am a man of hope, if I'm a priest of hope, they see their pastor as someone who for himself is just always striving. He is witnessing this, that being good enough simply isn't good enough for him. Rather, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. He is always striving, always looking forward. That he doesn't just settle down. He's always reading new books. He's always listening to new ideas. He's always moving more and more and more. And your parishioners need you to be this because if they see this in you, it will change how they think about themselves. And I can't claim to be a perfect priest of hope myself, but I know I have lived enough of this that I have had this comment repeatedly from parishioners, or they will say that they will pick up in my preaching how I speak of myself, how I'm clearly thinking about myself, how I'm striving myself, and it changes how they therefore think of themselves, what they are going to strive for. The more perfectly you can be in yourself, a man of hope, a priest of hope for yourself, your parishioners will likewise think differently of themselves and the potential of what they could become. So my last parish, one of my, one of the parishioners accused me of radicalizing his wife. Um, you know how um, the, the Taliban radicalized people. Um, that uh, he said I'd, I'd radicalized his wife. Um, but I think more than anything, it was what I was talking about all the time, much of it about what I was striving for that had an impact on, on her. It's not that complicated to do. If we are striving, others see we are striving. Okay, second. So a, a priest of hope has hope for himself. Not hope in himself, in his power, in his strength, in God, but for himself. Secondly, he has hope. Hope for others. Hope for the individuals he meets that when he meets somebody, he sees what they're capable of becoming. When he meets somebody who has failed, who has sinned, who has, he sees what they are capable of becoming. That that hope that is in the priest for himself is also what he sees in each encounter he has with others. That needs to be your gift to your parishioners so that 
you enable them to see what they're capable of becoming. That we live in a, in many ways, a hopeless society, a, a society full of people who think that, well, there's nothing more than this world. I've got, I've got Walmart, I've got whatever, you know, that there isn't anything more. This is, this is okay, but there isn't anything more. They don't have hope. They see their problems sometimes. They don't see solutions. They see their sin, but they don't see any remedy to sin. That's part of why they often therefore try and deny sin and say, well, it's not really a sin. What society needs is to grasp that there's more to this world than just what the world experiences that we can realistically work for something more in, in my own life, in the life of others. And that needs to be one of your gifts to your parishioners, that they see that in themselves and for those around them. Okay, a third thing. What does a priest of hope look like? He has hope in his apostolic works. He moves into his parish and he instantly sees the potential there, not just the struggle. That the man of despair comes in and he sees what's wrong. He hears the choir and he thinks, oh. Um, the man of hope, the priest of hope, moves in and he sees what is capable of becoming that he's always looking to see new potential, to find new projects. Um, two warnings in that regard. One presumption. So if in your apostolic works in a parish, it's all about me and my success and my project and I've got a good idea, then when it fails, when it struggles, then my sin of presumption that's been in that will mean I am crushed. Whereas if all of that striving has been in hope in God, then the lack of visual, visible fruit, or in as much as there isn't visible fruit, or isn't as much visible fruit as I wanted, doesn't weigh me down because I'm striving for him. I'm not rooted in a worldly calculation of, of numbers and success. I still see, back to that image of the glass, I still see the glass's potential. I'm still striving for that potential. So I'm not therefore deterred by how slowly it's filling up. And on this thought, um, COVID, you know, the whole COVID experience in the parish context and in priestly work, I think it has sadly in many cases shown us the difference between a priest of hope and a priest who doesn't. You know, there are lots of priests who when they've been taken away, the, the, the parish life has been locked down, that the normal things they could do when they've been deprived of their normal routine, 
There just isn't an inner striving to instantly have the imagination to transfer those goals into a new context, whether it's online or on the telephone. or on, um, If we are men of hope, if we have this always striving for apostolic projects, for, for new projects, for new realizing of potential, then it's not just empty routines we're going through. And if we've got that hope, that will manifest itself even in different situations. As you all know the book, um, He Leadeth Me. Um, I was just reflecting on that with somebody else last week about how he had hope even in solitary confinement, even when he didn't have any bread, any wine, he couldn't even do the Mass. But he still united himself to the Mass. He still daily said the prayers of the Mass he could in order to be part of the Mass as much as he could to unite himself to it. Still praying for the people, working for the people. That the man of hope doesn't say, oh, I'm not able to do these normal things. Rather, he just is still striving to realize what he's able to do where he is, even in the prison cell, even without bread and wine, even without his breviary. And that, in a sense, is a very extreme example of, of hope. But if we have hope, whatever situation we're thrown in, we still are just going to be striving to realize the potential there where we are. Okay, so my last little section here is practical in terms of where you're at now. So how do you build hope within you? So it's one thing to say, well, I can see I need hope, but how do you build it within you? Well, the thing you need more than anything to build within you is the ability to see goodness in the world. You can't move toward the good if you're not seeing it continually around you. So you've got to believe in grace. You've got to believe God is active in the world. And for myself, this summer's been a great gift to me that way even more. Asked repeatedly at summer camp, what was it I love most about being a priest? And the thing I love most about being a priest is accompanying people and seeing them change. That as a priest, I get to see grace at work in people. I get to see conversion again and again and again. And it shows me the reality of goodness. It shows me the potential in human beings. But that's what we've got to see. And see it in ourselves too. That I believe in grace, I believe in conversion, I believe in striving again because I experience it in myself. Okay, I've got a series of bullet points here how to build hope within yourself. Well, first, you've got to desire it. Like anything in life, you're not going to get it unless you're seeking to get it. You've got to be intentional about wanting to be a man of hope. You've got to desire it. 
but five practical habits. Um, five practical habits to foster seeing goodness in the world. Well, first, um, St. Josemaria, he uses the phrase supernatural optimism. So I said earlier that hope is more than optimism. Hope is more than seeing that the glass is half full. But if you don't see the half fullness of the glass, if you don't see what good there is there, it's going to be very difficult to move yourself to fill the glass even more. So you need to have the habit of always looking to see the good that is there. And the good at a supernatural level. You know, not just the good of the coconut cream pie, great though that is, the real goods I'm looking to see are the goods of grace, of the supernatural order. Moving on to my second habit, which is more specifically a habit, the habit of thanksgiving. So if you have a habit of thanksgiving, you have a habit of thanking God for what's good which means you are seeing what is good. So, you know, every night before I go to bed, I make sure I identify at least three things, good things that day that I have to be thankful for. And obviously that is what I owe to God, to thank him. But it also causes me to see the goodness that there is in the world, in my life, we need a habit of thanksgiving if we're going to be men of hope. A habit of petition. So, you know, likewise, when I go to bed at night, I always look ahead to the next day and try to identify three things where I ask God to be active in that particular thing. Something that's going to happen that I think I can foresee happening. Um, now, by making a petition, by making a request, I am focusing myself on the good I want to realize tomorrow. Yeah, so there's a, a focusing of the object of my action, to use our Thomistic terminology, but also in petition, making the power to be active in that God's not just mine. So a nightly petition for the day ahead, what goods do I seek to realize? I know I'm going to meet that person tomorrow. With that person in particular, I ask God this in that encounter. The habit of the presence of God. Now, you know, that could be a talk all in itself, but in as much as we have an awareness of the presence of God, then we can work with him to be striving for what we're striving. We, we can't really strive for the good if we don't have that awareness of the presence of God. And then my fifth kind of positive point there saintly narratives, which includes biblical narratives. Saintly narratives where we see the action of God in the past, and that therefore gives me confidence that God is still active in the present. 
that I can move towards the good, move in hope towards the good, because I have faith that he's been active in the past and must therefore be active in the present. So those are all in the positive. I'm just going to name, but I'm not really going to dwell on three enemies of hope that we just, I, at least at one level, just have to, whenever we see them within ourselves, to know this is an enemy of hope. I can't give in to it. One is cynicism. So I've mentioned cynicism already. And as much as I find myself believing the worst in the world, focusing on what's the worst in the world, I just have to say no to that or it's just going to tear me down. Sloth. Sloth is seeing the struggle more than we see the good that we're aiming to be on the struggle. And then presumption. So I mentioned presumption in apostolic works already. And as much as I'm presuming on my own strength, I'm not relying on his strength to move forward in hope to him, to what he wants me to achieve, ultimately eternal happiness in him, but all the many goods to be realized on the way to that in my priestly work. Okay, to, so to summarize all that, bring it together again. The church needs priests of hope, that men of hope get things done, men of hope bring out the best in people, that hope is something that we as Christians have a distinctive angle on, it's not just a, a natural hope and natural striving. As Christians, we are the ones who have reason to have hope in the world. That if we see the goodness that is present in the world, we see the reasons to have hope, and with that reject the culture of cynicism.